Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Rains, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. I guess that refers to us, Colin. We're in Psalm 97. Well, I mean, this follows on from what we were talking about yesterday, where, you know, the, the God's church should stand for joy in the world, that we are those that are taking joy into the world. We're not just rolling around on carpets laughing and things like that. The, the reason why God anoints is, is for ministry, so that we can go and set captives free, so that we can take the joy of the Lord out into the world, because God's purpose is for the whole earth to be glad. And the whole earth can only be glad when the darkness of sin, of, of, um, of the deception that grips the lives of so many people and even of whole nations, when that is broken through by the revelation of light, by the revelation of truth. And then instead of religious conformity, no matter what the religion is, you get reality, you get the life of God, you get the power of God, you get the joy of God impacting people's lives, beginning to have an impact on the society. And this is the calling of the church everywhere, not just of the odd church here or there that's moving in renewal or revival or in some move of God, but this is what God is wanting to do to his church throughout the world. Now, in reading the Psalms as we are, we're trying to discover the real nature of God. Now, these next few verses paint, I have to say, quite a fearsome picture of him. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world. The earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the people see his glory. Well, this is God. That's a wonderful description of God in, in his heaven. And uh, one of the things that we have to come to terms with is that God is not made in our image, but we're made in his image. And it's not for us, therefore, to define who God is or who he ought to be or the kind of God we want him to be. God is who he is. And it's actually an awesome thing. It's a fearful thing to oppose God, to deny God, to go against God. It's only in his sovereign mercy that he withholds the judgment that we deserve. We're living in a time uh, when God is ready to be merciful to all the nations of the earth so that the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ can go forth and so that people can be saved out of the judgment they deserve because of their sin and because of the ways in which they grieve God in their lives. But for those who do not repent and turn to him in faith, then, of course, there will be judgment, and it will be a fearful judgment. The day of the Lord, when Jesus comes in, in glory, is going to be wonderful for those who know and love him and who await his coming, but it's going to be a terrible day for those who have ignored God, who have opposed God, uh, who say he doesn't exist even, who um, have just lived for themselves and not for God. And that is part of the gospel. You see, the gospel means good news, but there's no good news without the bad news. And the bad news is that every man deserves judgment and condemnation from God because he is holy and men are so unholy in the way in which they live. Therefore, they deserve judgment from God. But in his love, in his mercy, in his grace, 
God sent his son in order to spare us and to save us from the judgment we deserve. So if we put our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, we know the joy of the Lord and the freedom of the Spirit and the love of God. But if we decline the offer of salvation which he holds out to us, then I'm afraid there are some pretty fearsome consequences of doing that. Let those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of his faithful ones. What a contrast. Yes, because, you see, um, the Lord hates evil. So if the Lord hates evil, then we are to hate evil. And um, uh, it, it's lining yourself up with God's thinking, really, and, and realizing that, that um, if you do that, then you come out on top. If you don't do that, well... There is an awesome sense of fearful judgment. But if you look in Psalm 98, um, in, in the verse 4, all the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. You see, you realize that in the middle of all the mess, muddle, and confusion that's happening in the world today, all over the world, there are people shouting for joy to the Lord, even in the midst of the most dire and difficult circumstances, because they are part of the kingdom that transcends our experience here on earth, that is an eternal kingdom that is not limited by the limitations of our humanity. So... We belong to something that is much bigger and greater than ourselves or even greater than the creation that we see around us here on the earth. And therefore, we are, a, a, if you like, a heavenly people here on earth, shouting for joy, proclaiming what a great and mighty and glorious God he is. We're, we're bringing the worship of heaven here to earth. And that's not escapism because it has an amazing effect upon other people. That, that many other people who don't know the Lord yet cannot understand why we're so happy, what we've got to shout about, why there is this jubilant singing and worship for God, and why such great and real demonstrations of his love and power take place in our lives. But that, that is what it means to be a witness. But I don't think it's a very good witness, sort of shutting ourselves away in freezing cold buildings with joyless worship and just religious conformity, which seems to bear no relevance to people in their daily lives as to the real events that are going on in them. Colin, you can look back on all your years as a, as a church leader. So when you have a large body of people who are praising God in this way and somebody who's an unbeliever comes in, what is the effect on them? What does it take to persuade them that God is great as we've just been reading? Well, of course, this happens um, frequently here at Kingdom Faith Church. It happens every year at our faith camp where you get a certain number of people that are brought by saved relatives and friends, although they are not themselves saved. And suddenly they find themselves in the middle of these thousands of people all praising God in a really exuberant way. Well, I think some, their immediate reaction is they're just mystified. Some are immediately gripped by the reality of what is happening. I think what happens to most people is that they're suddenly confronted with something real. That this is not emotionalism. This is not just somebody getting people hyped up because there's nothing of that nature taking place. 
Nobody's getting everybody, anybody else worked up or hyped up or, or feeding their emotions. But there is just a tremendous sense of joy. But that sense of joy brings a revelation of God's presence. And I think even a lot of, uh, of unsaved people realize they're in the presence of God. Now, they might not describe it like that, but they're in the middle of something they don't understand, in the middle of something that is greater than them, in the middle of something that suddenly is real, and they cannot gainsay that. And so, of course, even through, the, through such worship, many people come to know the Lord. It's as though God arrests their attention. I think, evangelist, I think worship ought to be evangelistic by its very nature. Not that that's why we worship, but I think because we focus on the Lord and meet with God, therefore it becomes evangelistic by its very nature. Well, we seem to be in a, in a run of psalms that tell us time and time again that the Lord reigns. Oh, yeah, there's a <laughs> tremendous section of, of psalms here because there's such praise. You know, the Lord reigns, let the nations tremble. He sits enthroned between the cherubims, let the earth shake. Great is the Lord in Zion. He is exalted over all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. He is holy. The king is mighty. He loves justice. You have established equity. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. It's wonderful. You see the greatness of God, the majesty of God, the glory of God, the holiness of God. And he is so great that before him the earth trembles. And the wonderful thing is that when you know the Lord and he indwells you by the Holy Spirit, you can meet with God in his awesome majesty and glory and yet not be afraid, but just awestruck with wonder at how gracious and loving he is to draw you so close to himself. Colin, there must be somebody listening to you who has never worshipped God in this in this way, and they now feel, oh, I've been missing out on something. Now, what would you say to them? How can they start to enter into this style of this type of worship, this attitude of worship? Jesus says that the Father is looking for worshippers who worship in spirit and truth. I would just encourage people to say, Holy Spirit, help me to worship in the way that is pleasing to the Father. Let your spirit of worship come upon me. And then start to sing. Uh, if, if you don't want to sing, to speak. Uh, you can sing whatever is meaningful to you. You can sing a hymn, a song that, um, you know, somehow registers with you and becomes a vehicle of worship. If you're filled with the Spirit, you can sing in tongues or you can just sing words of your own. That, that probably means more to God than anything else. Just sing what is in your heart. Don't look at yourself and focus upon yourself. Look at him, focus upon him like they do in the book of Revelation and just say, you are great. Take any of these psalms, any of these psalms we're looking at here, uh, Psalm um, 100, for example, shout for joy to the Lord or the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Well, don't just read that. Do it. Know that the Lord is God, that it is he who has made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You can do that. See, whoever you are, go through the gates of thanksgiving. Just look to the Lord, begin to thank him for everything 
thing that you can think of to thank him for and then just begin to praise him and to worship him. You'll be amazed at how easy it is. You've been listening to Faith for Today presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 